Please pray with me. Lord God, thank you for the blessing and grace that you have provided for us, Lord, in drawing us to this place. We thank you for your love and mercy, which is constantly active in our life, Lord, and constantly wooing us back to you. We pray, Lord God, that you would speak to us today, that you would speak your words of peace, your words of love, your words of nourishment. And we pray, Lord, that as we hear you speak, you would soften our hearts and that your word would be implanted in us and would take root and grow and would produce wonderful fruit. Lord, give me your words to speak to your people today. Help my words uh, to be faithful to you, to be true, Lord. And may you, through these words, work powerfully in our lives, Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Please be seated. Morning. It is so great to see you all today. Uh, Now I'm going to give you a little glimpse back into my childhood. I grew up watching kung fu reruns on TV. Right? The more obscure, the better in my own mind. I love those. Uh, my, my, my particular favorite genre um, were ones that had been terribly dubbed in English. Right? You know, so you'd see the mouth moving and then you would hear a few words. And, you know, I just, I loved it. I totally loved it. I loved, like, the, the culture and the excitement and the plots. My particular set of plots uh, usually revolved around some village or temple had been invaded by some ruffians or like a neighboring prince or warlord or something like that. And the village was being all torn up and there was some quiet and unassuming school teacher or monk who had to stand up for righteousness and lay down the smack on all the bad guys, right? That was kind of my genre. Um, Usually they would do this after losing a loved one. Something would kind of push them over the edge, you know, and they'd take up the the bow staff. Uh, And then they'd go on like a vision quest kind of thing to figure out how to beat these guys. Maybe they'd climb a mountain or something. And there on the mountain, they'd learn the secret monkey technique of like the two finger, like chest jab that like paralyzes their enemy. Or, you know, kind of the equivalent of the Vulcan death grip, right? That kind of thing. I see some of you are are acquainted with this genre, right? And usually this, like, enlightenment process or this training process was given us in montage format, you know, so you could go through large periods of time very quickly. Uh, I wish life worked in montage format, you know. The goal, the goal of this hero seems so noble and their hearts so humble and their quest so pure. You couldn't help but cheer for them as they stood up against the oppressor, right? Stood up for righteousness, which naturally, I believe, takes us to Paul's letter to the Colossians, right? Paul is writing to the church in Colossae in the year 62, which I think was before many of these uh, kung fu movies had been produced, (laughs) Uh, Paul would eventually, uh, well, he would be martyred in Rome within the next five years of the writing of this letter. So it's near the end of his life. And this Colossian church is a pretty phenomenal thing. It's fairly unique because it was started by a guy named Epaphras. Not the easiest name to say. Um, And he had heard Paul preach the gospel, probably in Ephesus, uh, for another confusing word to say. Epaphras in Ephesus heard Paul preach the gospel. And he became a Christian from Paul's preaching. 
And then what he did with that gospel message is he took it. He took it and he went back home to his hometown in Colossae and he began to preach there to his own people, to his family, his friends, his neighbors, to anyone who would listen. He began to preach about Jesus. And from that preaching, the church in Colossae started and was formed. This is pretty remarkable, isn't it? This like first generation forming of a church. No churches had been formed in Colossae before, and yet this, this man hears the gospel and he goes and does it. I just love that. But the occasion of this letter is that Epaphras has come to Paul to visit him while he's imprisoned in Rome, and he's got some bad news. Right? It turns out that church planting is not everything it's cracked up to be, and it's not always easy. And right now, Epaphras is struggling because there's some funky teaching bubbling up in the church from some funky teachers, right, who are teaching things that are contrary to the faith. And so uh, we don't precisely know what's, what's being taught there. Uh, we just have Paul's response, and so we have to try to extrapolate out what that might be that he's responding to. There's lots of different theories as to the nature of that heresy, um, but perhaps the most logical one is that there was a Jewish pagan amalgam kind of folk belief that had sprung up relating to angelic protection from evil spirits and like some talismans that would give you that protection. So take it or leave it. That could be it. Who knows? We're going to get into our passage and it really doesn't matter what the heresy is because it speaks, I think this passage speaks to us in um, whatever we're going through in life, whatever it happens to be. It, is, uh, it begins with a beautiful benediction, and then it continues on to perhaps an early Christian hymn. We don't have the music to it, but it sounds like a hymn. And so let's jump in and see what Paul felt was essential for the church in Colossae to know as they faced oppression from inside their own church. It begins with a blessing. Paul says, may you be made strong with all the strength that comes from his glorious power. And may you be prepared to endure everything with patience while joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. Paul draws on the Christian understanding that strength does not come from inside of us, but from our God who makes us strong. Right, it's one of the basic premises of Christianity is that strength is outside of us and God implants it in us. And it is that strength that would be so important for this church as it struggled to remain faithful in the midst of a world that was trying to wipe it out of existence. This strength would give the church the ability to endure when things were difficult. But not only to endure, but to joyfully give thanks to the Father. Our passage says, may you be prepared to endure everything with patience while joyfully giving thanks to the Father. Now, does endurance often entail giving thanks? How many of you in the midst of endurance are in a real thankful spirit? Right? Often in the midst of endurance, we are just thinking about putting one foot in front of the other, right? Washing the next dish, um, you know, taking the next step in the run, um, working the next hour in our job, whatever it happens to be, right? It's sometimes very difficult uh, to do that. And very rarely do we have a sense of real gratefulness or gratitude in the midst of it, right? Is that true? But Paul is saying there's a unique kind of endurance that Jesus Christ can give us. 
And that is an endurance which gives us the opportunity, even in the midst of difficulty, to joyfully give thanks to the Father. And that is pretty phenomenal. When you see people enduring difficulty in that way, that speaks to a power which comes from outside of us, not from within us. Because it was through that work of God, that work of God implanting his endurance in us and joyfulness in, in those Christians, that they would be able to share in the inheritance of the saints, which is eternal life. This is a point that Paul would return to again and again, that God is the one doing the work inside of us. Now, not only does strength come from the outside, but so does salvation, as we will see in this next section. Um, here, Paul extrapolates on how Christians are, to, are able to share in the inheritance of the saints. And it's because God the Father has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The reason that Christians can share in the inheritance of the saints is is because God the Father has rescued us through Jesus Christ in this Chuck Norris Mission Impossible mission. I just totally mixed up two genres of movies. Uh, We are rescued and delivered from the kingdom of darkness and brought and transferred into the kingdom of light. God does this by his grace through Jesus Christ. And this causes Paul to break out in song about Jesus. He says, he is the, the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. Jesus Christ, Paul tells us, is the way that we see God the Father. He is the opportunity we have to behold what is invisible. He is the image of the invisible God. And if we want to know what God looks like, we look into the face of Jesus, and we can see God the Father as well. In addition to this, everything was created through Jesus Christ and for him as well. Everything is his. He is the author and creator of life. And it all belongs to him. Paul closes our section by making clear the preeminence of Jesus. There is no one and nothing like him anywhere else in the galaxy. He, Jesus, himself is before all things and in him all things hold together. He's like that crazy glue holding everything together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. Since Jesus Christ is so unique and perfect, there's only one way that we can approach him. Since he is the head of the body, since he is the beginning, since he is the firstborn of the dead, And since he holds all things together, he has also designed and set up one way that we can approach him, a clear and well-defined path. And it is through that means that Paul tells us, uh, describes to us how to get there. For in him, 
all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth, earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. Paul identifies that the only way to relate to Jesus is by being reconciled through his blood. And this is good news. It is very good news. And this is what Paul wanted the church in Colossae to know. As they struggled with people who were preaching a false gospel, who were trying to teach other ways, who were trying to lead people astray, as they struggled with the government which was coming to get them, as Paul was in prison, he wanted them to know that the thing they needed to hold fast to was Jesus Christ and his message of salvation that he was the one who would deliver them and set them free. That's what he wanted them to know. Because in this life, it can feel like we're in a kung fu movie sometimes, beset by bad guys and needing to gain strength and wisdom to overcome them. But the challenge is, is that if I'm looking at the kung fu movie in a way that I'm trying to be the hero of that movie, what's going to happen? I'm going to fail. I'm going to fail. I don't know the, the, like, the jab of death, right? I've spent a lot of times in the mountains, but I've not learned any of those secret tricks. And ultimately, I'm not the hero of that movie. I'm villager number 28 in that movie who gets whacked by the, the tough guy walking down the street and rolls into the basket of arugula, right? That's me. That's me. Not the hero. I'm the villager. We're the villagers crying out because we're oppressed. We're the people who need the hero to come. We need the hero to intervene. We need the hero to deliver us because we have tried to deliver ourselves and we've fallen short time and again. So we need the hero to go on the quest to rescue us, to climb the mountain on our behalf, and to save us. And the way Jesus does it is not by climbing that mountain and learning the secret death punch. Jesus climbs the mountain and seems to be swallowed by death. He dies. It's the most unorthodox saving method ever. And yet it is through his death that Jesus Christ conquers death conquers the power of sin, conquers all the forces of evil, and comes back to the village to let us know that there's hope, to let us know that there is salvation, to let us know that the enemy has been conquered for us. And it's also his death that has made peace between heaven and earth, so that we can be reconciled to God, washed clean. And it's through his sacrificial death that we see Jesus elevated to the right hand of the Father, Christ the King, reigning in heaven on our behalf. And so many of us, many of us have turned to Jesus Christ in faith because we've realized we're not the hero of our story. We've realized that maybe we're a villain. And we've turned to Jesus and asked for his salvation. 
But Christ the King Sunday also challenges us to know Jesus as our friend, too. To know him as our Lord and our Savior, our brother. And so today, as we gather and as we prepare to come to the table, may we spend some time considering how we relate to Jesus in our life. Do we only reach out for him when we feel the bad guys coming and we scream out for deliverance? Or are we seeking, seeking a deep relationship with him, moment by moment, turning to him, offering up our praise, our joy, our love, our heartbreak? Jesus wants to be in relationship with us. He wants to know us and to be known by us. So may we seek him today. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for being uh, the king. Thank you for being the king, Lord, who, who does not reign over us from a distance, but is here with us, Lord, closer than our heartbeat. We pray, Lord God, that you would speak into our lives today. That this service, this Christ the King Sunday, would not be just on any other Sunday, but would mark a transformation in our lives a time in which we turn to you in a new way, seek to know you better and to love you more. And we pray, Lord, that you would help, help our faith to grow. It's so easy to doubt. It's so easy to turn away or to be led astray by the subtle temptations of this world. And we pray that you would help us, Lord, to be refocused upon you today, to know you in a more unique, a more tender, a more kind, a more faithful way. And we pray that you would help us, Lord, um, to be so in love with you that we would just share about this relationship with you with all the people we run into. Not feeling like we are, it's an obligation, but rather just something we, we can't wait to share. And we pray that as we share, you would open hearts and that you would draw others to you as well, that they might know the hope of being um, in relationship with you. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen.